grace and peace, everybody. It's Pastor Leon, and welcome back to the Pastor Cast. I am resurrecting the Pastor Cast podcast. Uh, it's been a while uh, since uh, we did this, and uh, I thought, you know, since I have a lot of time on my hands <laughs> during this coronavirus pandemic and all of the insanity that has ensued and all of the social distancing and the fact that we're all probably at home uh, most of the time, I thought that this will be a great time to uh, resurrect the podcast and uh, we're going to do this bi-weekly. So I'll do a couple of them a week uh, until such time as we're back in what will be a new normal. Uh, we're going to be in a new normal kind of situation uh, after all this is over with. And what I'm thinking about, and this is what has kept me going uh, for the past several days, is I've kind of gone through a roller coaster of emotions and thoughts uh, about all of the things that are going on. What has really kept me going has been the vision of what it's going to be like on the other side of this, the celebration that we will have. Because it looks like, it looks like that all of this is going to be in place, all of these restrictions and social distancing and all of the rest of it. Hopefully it won't be quite as stringent uh, after a month or so, but uh, we, we may be in for the long haul on this for quite a while. Um, and I know that the uh, city of Austin, uh, where I serve uh, the Shepherd of the Hills Presbyterian Church, city of Austin has put their ban on gatherings of 250 or more uh, in place until May 1st. And so uh, that would mean that Easter is not going to happen, at least in the way that uh, we usually celebrate Easter. Uh, Easter will happen. I mean, we're going to have Easter. It's going to be the day of Easter, and we'll all be at home uh, celebrating it. So we're going to continue to do worship services at, um, uh, at Shepherd of the Hills. We're going to do them live. We're going to broadcast them uh, each and every Sunday. And it'll be at 9.30 a.m. If you are interested in coming and joining us for worship, uh, we would love that. Uh, you can find us at SHPC Austin. Uh, that's on Facebook. So if you go and, and search on Facebook for Shepherd of the Hills Presbyterian Church on Facebook, you will find us. And then you can like our page. And then you will be able to see when we broadcast uh, each and every Sunday morning. Uh, it's interesting that uh, we had more people <laughs> view our last worship service that we did uh, than we've ever had in the history of broadcasting live. And we've been broadcasting live on Facebook for about a year and a half now. Uh, and so we had uh, over 2,000, I think it's w probably up to 2,500 views already. So it's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, folks are definitely wanting to connect and uh, needing to hear a word of hope. So here's what I'm going to do. Uh, for this particular uh, podcast, for the next uh, seven episodes, uh, we are going to do a study um, on the book of Habakkuk. Now, I did a sermon series on the book of Habakkuk uh, some years ago, and uh, it was one of my favorite sermon series I've ever done, just because it was an odd book uh, to do a sermon series on, the book of Habakkuk and the Hebrew Scriptures. But the reason why um, I thought to do that particular sermon series back then, and then I've kind of redone some stuff, um, and we're going to uh, add to it as we talk through this over the course of the next seven episodes of the Pastor Cast. Um, the reason why I wanted to do that particular sermon series is because uh, 
Habakkuk was prophesying. He was a prophet in the Hebrew tradition, and he was prophesying. His work was being done during a time of incredible stress. There was all kinds of chaos and crisis that were happening around him, and he was wondering what in the world God was up to. He was wondering where God was and why God was allowing all of these things to happen. And so Habakkuk and God have a conversation in the book of Habakkuk. And so um, I thought that I would uh, revise that study just a bit and do this as a podcast. And uh, that way uh, we could all share this together. So I'm just going to jump right in um, and we'll talk a little bit about Habakkuk. So um, I saw this statue uh, when I was in Italy some years ago. Um, and this was quite a long time ago, actually. It was when I was in seminary. My wife, Meredith, and I went to uh, Florence and in Italy. And so we were, um, we were in Florence, and there was one particular uh, museum that we were in. And there was a statue by the famous Italian artist Donatello, who uh, worked in the 15th century. And this particular statue was uh, affectionately known as Lo Zucone, all right? So the bald one. Uh, and when I saw this statue, I was able to walk up to it, and it was the statue of the prophet Habakkuk. And so I was able to just stare this prophet in the face, or it's the statue of the prophet. Um, and there was just something about it that struck my imagination. Of course, this was Donatello's vision. It wasn't rooted in any kind of biblical evidence. But the prophet looks as though he has seen something. That statue is incredible. I'm going to try to figure out when we post this, um, I'll try to figure out how to make this uh, particular uh, image available so that you can see it. But if you want to go and check it out, just do Donatello, D-O-N-A-T-E-L-L-O, and then just type in Habakkuk, H-A-B-A-K-K-U-K, and you'll be able to see that image. So in the image, in the, the statue, the prophet's mouth is open. His eyes are wild. He's about ready to speak and deliver the burden uh, that he's been given to bear. And so that's the title of this particular podcast, The Burden. Um, and the burden in question is the prophecy that the prophet received. Okay, so, but I'm going to get to that in just a little bit. So why should we care about the ramblings of an ancient minor prophet from the Old Testament? The minor prophet, which is what is the name given to some of the smaller uh, prophets, uh, the smaller books of prophecy in uh, the Hebrew scriptures. Uh, this particular minor prophet is so minor that the revised common lectionary, which is a three-year cycle of reading and preaching a scriptural guide, which is used by pastors and priests and lay people all over the world. It only includes two short passages from Habakkuk. And furthermore, hardly anybody can spell Habakkuk correctly. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, I have even today, as I've been working on this, I have misspelled it three times. So why Habakkuk? Well, for starters, it's relevant. It's a book that speaks into uncertain times. And, and we live in this moment is probably the most uncertain time that any of us have ever lived through. Um, maybe perhaps those uh, who were um, dealing with the world wars, um, that those folks that are still alive that were dealing through the, the world wars and through a lot of the upheaval in our country and our world. But we've not we've not dealt with things like this where we were where we were forced to be isolated from one another, where uh, all of this social distancing and 
and all of the things that we've had to do. I can't even imagine what this would be like if we did not have social media, if we did not have the ability uh, to do some of the things that we're doing. I can't even imagine what this would be like um, without those things to keep us connected. Uh, so this is unprecedented. And there's an uncertainty that we all feel um, it's a culture that has been cultivated for a long time, a culture uh, that has been fed by politicians and news media um, and people that are bent on keeping us afraid. It's a culture of fear. And I, I believe that this moment that we are in right now is one uh, that it just has, I mean, it has fed into that in an amazing way because all of us, I think all of us are feeling anxious. We all are wondering, like, where's the end of all this? When is this going to come to a close? Like, is there going to be some end in sight? I saw a report today um, where we could be dealing with this for like 18 months. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know how we can do this for 18 months. Um, although I will say this, if there's anybody that I would trust at this point to be able to speak truth uh, and honesty and would be able to have their pulse on the finger of what's going on, it's Bill Gates. And Bill Gates said that if we do the things that we should do and if we, we buckle down and we work together, that we're looking at six to ten weeks. Now, even that seems crazy. I mean, I read a news article once about a young girl who had this uh, severe neurological disorder that affected her in such a way that she could not experience any kind of shock. So for her to experience shock would send her into cardiac arrest. She couldn't even read Harry Potter books. I mean, forget roller coasters, action movies, sports. I mean, I feel like that our society at this point, we're kind of living on the edge of that sort of collective cardiac arrest, worrying that the next bit of bad news is going to send us over the edge. And we've lived for so long with that kind of low-grade anxiety uh, that now, now that we actually have things to worry about, like serious things that are going on around us, uh, I mean, it, it really uh, has affected so many of us, hasn't it? Prolonged fear has the same sort of effects on a society that it does on individuals. And physicians and psychologists, they agree on the long-term effects of what's uh, what has affected so many people that have gone uh, to combat have been and been uh, involved in wars, victims of violent crimes and traumatic events, post-traumatic stress disorder is what we're talking about. So many individuals who suffer from PTSD, they engage in substance abuse. They're affected by memory loss, have an ability to f have an inability to function. Uh, they suffer occupational instability, not able to hold on to a job. They have marital problems and often display family discord. So these are all things that are known uh, about people that struggle with PTSD. So what happens when you apply that to a wider group of people? I mean, that long, long range, low grade anxiety. And now, now that we're in the midst of what is a high level of anxiety, um, we can see that uh, the same sort of thing is, is taking place. I mean, you know, we are trapped at home, many of us, and all we can do is watch TV or watch the news or we're always on Facebook or always online trying to find out what's going on. And you can begin to see why, why things are in such a mess. Um, I mean, this is a moment uh, for us to be able to, to think more clearly about uh, some of these things and to be honest with one another. Um, 
And to be honest about what's happening in terms of the, the news that we get and the information that we're getting uh, from politicians and so forth. I was watching something the other day and uh, just like it was yesterday. And there was a politician that was giving a speech on on the floor of the Senate. And I was just sitting there waiting for him to take the turn and make everything political, just to politicize it, especially considering that we're in the midst of an election year. And of course, that's what he did. Instead of taking a moment and just trying to call for for unity and to call for bipartisanship and all those kinds of things, uh, this particular politician chose to go another route. Hermann Goering, uh, Goering, who was the Reich's marshal for the Nazi Third Reich, once said, the people don't want war, but they can always be brought to the bidding of the leaders. This is easy. All you have to do is tell them they're being attacked. So when you hold this up in light of the very serious questions that we all seem to have about existence and history and all of the things that we struggle with in terms of knowing which is the correct information, which politicians are telling us the truth, which ones aren't, uh, how are we able to know for sure exactly what's going on, all of these things, when you hold it up, these questions to, uh, to the light, all we know in the end is that we just need to hear a word of hope. I mean, each of us has personal questions that we need answered. Why am I here? Who am I? What is the meaning of all this? What's my purpose? How do I figure out how to, to be a human being in, in this new reality that we live in? How can I stay connected uh, with my neighbors and with the people that I care about? Um, how do we then function when uh, there's, uh, the economy seems to be tanking, and when people are, are losing their jobs or being laid off? Or what, do I, what am I going to do? We have historical implications that, uh, that, that uh, are part of this as well. I mean, we will ask ourselves, like, you know, what is the meaning of this in terms of history? Why is there evil? Why doesn't God do something about this? We can look back and see all of the things that happened in the past, all of the genocides, all of the, the man's inhumanity to man. I mean, all of the wars, all of the struggles that we've had and we can ask, why doesn't God do something about that? And why isn't God doing something about this? I mean, people are being are, are sick and people are dying all over the world. And it's not just about the coronavirus, which is what we're all afraid of right now, afraid that, uh, that there will be too many people that will contract it. And then all of a sudden, our healthcare system is going to be overwhelmed. And then we'll be having to make decisions like they are in Italy about who gets a ventilator and who doesn't. No one wants to be in those kind of situations. Why doesn't God do something about that? And then Christians have questions of their own. I mean, we have questions about why do good people suffer? Why does evil prosper? Why aren't my prayers getting answered? Especially when I'm trying to do the best that I can for God. And, and why do I experience the worst from other people when I'm trying to do that? How can I believe in a good God when bad things happen all of the time or bad things are happening all around me? These are the same kind of questions that Habakkuk posed uh, in his prophecies to the people of God. So he was prophesying in the early 600s to late 500s BCE. So he was a contemporary of the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, and so he witnessed the same sort of problems and issues that Jeremiah talked about in his prophecies. Now, Habakkuk was a little bit different, though, because most prophets in ancient Israel sort of dealt with the people for God. So they would go and say to the people, you know, here's what God is telling you. 
you better do this. I'm speaking for God. I've got all the info from God about what you need to be doing. <laughs> and here's what you need to do. So most prophets, that's how they operated. It's sort of an if-then. If you do this, then God is going to do that. This is what God is saying to you. Now, Habakkuk does something different. Habakkuk goes to God and contends with God for the people. He lived during the reign of the young King Josiah. Uh, when Josiah was refurbishing the temple after it had fallen into disrepair, the workers discovered a Torah, like a copy of the Torah tucked away in a dusty corner. I mean, imagine that the Torah, the law of Moses, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible had been largely lost to the people of Israel. When you think about Jewish people now, you think about uh, Jewish culture and, 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 you know, even during the time of Jesus, right, that it was such an important part of their life was the law, the Torah that had been given to them by Moses. But at this point in history, it had been lost. Nobody was living the law anymore. They just become like every other tribe or every other country around them. The covenant with God had, had been forgotten. And so Josiah, when he discovers the Torah, discovers what he must do, that he's got to bring reform back. He returns Israel to its covenant with God and then to Torah back into the life of the people. And then he was killed by the Egyptian pharaoh Necho in a fierce battle that took place uh, in um, like the area of Armageddon, like the, the, the Valley of Jezreel, so that where we would say that the Battle of Armageddon, when we talk about that, there's an actual place, the Valley of Jezreel, that's by Megiddo or Har Megiddo. And so uh, Josiah is killed, and his son Jehoiakim was placed on the throne. So Jehoiakim rescinded all of the reforms that his father instituted, and he was just like, we're going back to the way things were. That didn't work for us, obviously. The Egyptians came and kicked our butts. My father was killed. I'm going back to the way things were. It was better that way anyway. And so Jeremiah actually delivered uh, this prophecy about Jehoiakim uh, after uh, Jehoiakim was executed. So he eventually is, is executed. Uh, and he says, woe to him who builds his palace by unrighteousness, his upper rooms by injustice, making his own people work for nothing, not paying them for their labor. He says, I will build myself a great palace with spacious upper rooms. So he makes large windows in it, panels it with cedar and decorates it in red. Does it make you a king to have more cedar? Did not your father have food and drink? He did what was right and just, so all went well with him. He defended the cause of the poor and needy, and so all went well. Is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord? But your eyes and your heart are set only on dishonest gain, on shedding innocent blood, on an oppression and extortion. Therefore, this is what the Lord says about Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. They will not mourn him. Alas, my brother, alas, my sister, they will not mourn for him. Alas, my master, alas, his splendor. He will have the burial of a donkey dragged away and thrown outside the gates of Jerusalem. So in 605 BCE, the Babylonians show up and they defeat the previous two world superpowers, Egyptian, Egypt, Egypt and Assyria, uh, about 400 miles north of Israel. So Israel was in chaos and justice was thrown out the window in the midst of the anxiety that everybody must have been feeling. So Habakkuk, he sees the writing on the wall and he tries desperately to speak out against the path that God's people seem to be taking. Even as he's wondering why God would allow injustice to exist and evil to triumph. So Habakkuk's name means to wrestle or to embrace. And I think that Habakkuk actually does both things in the midst of his struggle with God. 
and the prophetic burden that he had. <clears throat> so believe it or not, Habakkuk actually has some legendary status from the apocryphal book, Bell and the Dragon. So this is a biblical book from the Old Testament that's not part of the Protestant canon, not part of the Protestant Bibles. So there's a scene from this ancient story where the Hebrew prophet Daniel kills a huge snake that the Babylonians worshipped after he has a bet with the king. So he's thrown into the lion's den as a result. So this is another case where he's thrown into the lion's den. So God speaks to Habakkuk, who's all the way back in Judah. And so Daniel's in, in Babylon, all the way back in Judah. Uh, God speaks to Habakkuk and tells him that he is to take the lunch that he has just prepared <laughs> and to take it to Daniel. So Habakkuk has made this porridge uh, and he's like getting ready to eat lunch. And God says, oh, wait up, man. Um, I need you to take that to Daniel, who's all the way in Babylon. And so then Habakkuk is snatched by the top of his head and his hair away to Babylon, where he feeds Daniel the porridge all the way into the lion's den, and then he's snatched back. <laughs> Weird, right? So there's a reason why I guess it got left out of the Protestant version of the Bible. But here's, here's what's important, though. The book of Habakkuk is about some very important things that can help us, uh, who, those of us who call ourselves Christians, how we can begin to live in hope during times of uncertainty. And Habakkuk is also believed by a lot of, of uh, scholars, a lot of New Testament scholars specifically, as one of the Old Testament prophets who foresaw the coming of Christ, or uh, the coming of the Messiah, right? Uh, and so, I mean, he, he, wasn't, he wouldn't be thinking about Jesus specifically, obviously, but he would be thinking about the Christ, the universal uh, and uh, eternal Christ, uh, the Messiah. So Habakkuk reveals uh, that shallow optimism is not even close to the shalom or the peace of God. Like, you know, just sort of saying uh, that everything is okay. You know, he addresses how living a good life does not always mean that you're blessed, right? So a lot of Christians walk around and say, I'm blessed. Well, Habakkuk helps us to answer a very serious question. How do we reconcile our belief in a good God with the tragic realities of life? Like, how do we continue to say that we're blessed, even though what we're experiencing isn't like a blessing. So the main text, the sort of centerpiece of Habakkuk is Habakkuk 2, 2 verse 4. The just shall live by faith. This was a favorite of both uh, Paul, the apostle, and Martin Luther, uh, the first one, not Martin Luther King, but Martin Luther, the reformer. So this one verse, it seems to thread its way throughout Habakkuk's conversation with God and his prophecy to the people. It's kind of the crux of his burden, the message that he wants to convey. So what he seems to be saying is this, God's ways are not our ways, but those who are righteous, who are in covenant with God, who trust him, who love him and seek to follow him will live by faith that God's ways are perfect. Now, this is one of the most difficult places for Christians to live in the tension between redemption and fulfillment, right? So when you are rescued, when you begin to realize that, uh, that there's something going on that's bigger than you are and, and that something is, is redemption, that you need, uh, you need to have God in your life. You need to embrace a life of following Jesus in order to be rescued. And then the fulfillment of all of that, right? Like, what does it look like? So you're living there right now. I'm sure most of us are, right? Because we are in the midst of, of a crisis. 
And so we're living in the midst of uncertainty. And so what I'm hoping that we'll gain from this is that we will discover something about hope in the midst of uncertainty. So what does it mean then to live by faith? What does it mean to live by faith in the middle of a moment when faith is hard to come by? Well, what I want to do is I want to whet your appetite for this um, because there are some times, there are some times when our faith is so strained that we feel like we've got to cut loose just a little bit. We've got to let God know uh, that we are struggling, that I'm, I'm holding on to whatever I've got, but whatever I got is running out. And so in our next episode, what I want us to explore is there are times when you just might need to cut loose and scream at God. You, you just need to let God have it. You need to just tell God what's going on. Habakkuk did, and he got an answer. And it wasn't necessarily the answer that he wanted, but God was faithful in his response. So I hope that this whet your appetite. I hope that this got your attention, intrigued you. And I also hope that you will take this time to start reading through the book of Habakkuk, perhaps. Um, you know, take a look at it, uh, because this is where we're going to be spending the next seven episodes of the pastor cast, taking a look at Habakkuk and, and figuring out what it means to live in between, uh, sort of these tension, the tension of, of what is and what will be. And so I want to just say, once again, I hope that you are well, I hope that you are taking care of yourself. Um, I hope that you are staying connected with your friends and your family. This is not a time for us to become isolated uh, completely from one another. It's time for us to be paying attention, to, to maybe go old school and you know, put some chairs out on your front porch and go sit on your front porch. Um, one of my church members sent me a message today and they, they were actually doing that. Like people were actually sitting on their front porch because they got tired of watching television. They got tired of being stuck in the house. Um, and so they were sitting on their front porch, just like waving at neighbors as they're walking by, talking to people at a distance, though, obviously at a distance, but talking to people and saying hello. Um, you know, it, it means uh, being able to be connected online with your friends and your coworkers and your loved ones. We're experiencing something brand new. We're going to be experiencing a brand new way to do work, a brand new way to interact with one another. There's going to be new uh, technological advances that will happen out of this. There's going to be amazing things that are going to happen in terms of health for, for our culture because this is a wake-up call for us in terms of our health industry and the way that we uh, take care of ourselves and take care of one another. This is a wake-up call. I think it's going to change everything for the better. As long as we are faithful and as long as we hold on, there's going to be something on the other side of this. And I'm telling you, I cannot wait till that day. It is going to be a huge celebration all around the world when this is behind us. We will celebrate. It may not be on Easter, but I'm telling you something. The day that we are able to gather again as a community of faith, the day that we're able to have church all together in our sanctuary for the first time after all this is over. I'm fully expecting that church service, those church services to be jam packed. I want everybody to show up. 
all of y'all that, uh, and wherever it is that you worship, if you're listening to this, go to your, when, when this is over, I want you to already start thinking about this. You, you miss out on that, right? Don't you? You miss it. You miss being able to gather with your friends. You took it for granted. But, you know, now's not the time to take that stuff for granted. When this is over, be there. Be present. Spend that time with your friends. Spend that time with your family. and Spend that time making sure that you go to church. Uh, because uh, this is what it's all about. So stay connected, folks. Be well, and I'll talk to you again. We'll, we'll run the next episode uh, next week, uh, and we'll do a couple of a week each week. Thanks for joining. We'll talk to you.